Well, hello. Welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I am Garland. And I am Cameron. All right. We're launching back into addressing, you know, real questions that people ask. And that's the goal of this podcast is people, sometimes they're really significant questions. Sometimes they're uh, pragmatic questions. And this one, I've been surprised really by the speed at which this question has generated uh, as much kind of noise as it has. And part of that's just culturally where we are, um, the way that this question has uh, gained political support, social support. But the question is really simple. Here it is. Um, With all of the uh, prevalence now of uh, the use of marijuana, the legalization of marijuana, how should a Christian interact? And maybe even more succinctly, uh, can or maybe should a Christian consume marijuana? Uh, I hear the question a lot from people in you know, my friend group, my uh, social circle, um, what, surpri- what has surprised me, and I don't know if this is true in, uh, in Portland, I'm sure it might be even, even more the case there. I have no what idea surpri- what you're about to say, but I suspect <laughs> yeah. yes. I suspect I'm accurate. Um, <laughs> what surprised me is the, um, I think the way that people are diving into uh, the use of marijuana without seemingly giving it much biblical thought. Um, and so that's the, the hope here is what, what, what a Christian do in formulating an answer to this question. So Cameron, help us out, man. Yeah. Well, I'm no, I'm no expert, but I can, uh, I can start, start the conversation for sure. As you mentioned, the, the question used to be relatively simple for Christians. It was, well, it's illegal. So don't, don't do it. Uh, you know, right. obey, obey the laws. Um, I guess that question isn't fully resolved because we, as many people know, we still, it's still illegal federally, uh, for recreational usage. Um, but different States, including my own have legalized it. Uh, and so that's, that's a, that's its own little legal question. But I think, I think the cat's kind of out of the bag as far as, um, you know, that not being a satisfying answer for most people and, and for good reason. It's also an interesting question because here where I live, I don't know what it's like in Fayetteville right now. Um, but just walking down the street, taking my kids to a movie, going out to eat, whatever. The smell of weed, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's like I, I, I never thought I would become so desensitized to it. It's just a part of daily, daily life. Um, I'm in it's Arkansas. very popular. It's still suburbia down here. So if somebody's doing it, it's in their backyard. We don't, we're not yeah. smelling it as much down yeah, here. Fair enough. Yeah, walking down the city street. And so, yes, it's, it's a live question. It's a question that I think is going to be more and more pressing everywhere in the country and, and everywhere in the world. And so, uh, yeah, we need to think theologically and biblically, Christianly about it. Um, what makes it tricky is, uh, as, as most people are probably aware, the word marijuana nowhere occurs in our Bibles. Uh, the substance now that's shocking. Directly, is that shocking? That's shocking. Not even in the Old Testament? Not Leviticus somewhere? Not as far as I know. Not as far as I know. Nowhere to be found. Okay. Nowhere to be found. Uh, So we can't go chapter and verse on this. We have to, like I said, think a little bit more theologically and uh, let the themes and some of the bigger ideas that are tangentially related inform us. And we have to do that about a lot of things. So here's, here's a good example of how to do it. Hopefully, hopefully a good example. So I have three buckets, three categories I want to think through um, to try to answer this question. So, so number one is this. Just the question of what does the Bible have to say about sobriety and intoxication? Um, So most people are probably aware the Bible's consistent approach to intoxication by alcohol, which is the substance it mentions most often, um, is uh, I think that's our best place to start. The Bible's consistent approach um, is 
nuanced. It's consistently nuanced, you might say. Uh, when it talks about alcohol, it describes it as a gift from God at times, Genesis 27, uh, given for enjoyment, uh, Psalm 104, an aid in celebration even. You think of Jesus at the wedding at Cana uh, in John 2. Um, sometimes it's prescribed for medicinal purposes. Uh, Paul writes that to Timothy. You see that in Proverbs. Um, so there's, there's all that. There's these positive uses, positive examples. And then even still, the Bible warns uh, against the sinfulness of the abuse of alcohol repeatedly. I mean, it's significantly. Um, and, and, and the two main categories of kind of abuse that it speaks of are drunkenness. Um, so when you, when you lose your ability uh, to, to, to kind of have uh, mastery over your own body and your own person, you're, you're, it, the idea is that you're so out of control that you're actually unable to obey the, the many things that God calls us to both positively and negatively. So drunkenness, intoxication, um, and then the other one is addiction. Whenever you have become mastered by, you need this thing to survive. You need this thing to thrive. It, it's, it's sort of uh, got its grip on you and you can't function without it. So both of those things are consistently warned against. Okay, so in this first bucket, this might come as a surprise, especially people down kind of in the Bible Belt part where I live. Uh, the Bible does not have an outright prohibition against the use of alcohol, as you're pointing out, and you're suggesting that there are some appropriate ways to ingest alcohol. But then the Bible does give a consistent warning at the same time about uh, what it looks like to remain sober-minded. And I've heard you say before, to do our basic calling, if you're a Jesus follower that is listening to this, to love God and love people, and then the things that flow out of that. So l let me ask a follow-up then to that, because I, I hear sure. people frequently when you say, okay, the Bible warns against drunkenness, it says to be sober-minded, sometimes I hear a refrain that goes something like this. Okay, okay, I hear that, but there's levels, especially with alcohol, there might be levels of that, and maybe the entire enterprise of this is a little bit misguided of, well, I wasn't... I wasn't drunk. I was just buzzed. I wasn't buzzed. I was just tipsy. I wasn't blackout. Um, yeah. how, how would you respond to that? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think it is really important to note that the very logic of what the scriptures declare is that there are gradations to um, what you, you know, for most people, the first sip, obviously the first sip of alcohol, the first drink of alcohol, I guess, supposing depending on the quantity and type, right. is not right. going to intoxicate you. Uh, for many people, a first drink, the, the effects may not even be felt, um, depending on your size, uh, tolerance, all these kinds of things, of course. Um, so there's something very real and true there that, that we need to consider. Every body reacts differently. Uh, and we should just say for good reason, many people opt to abstain wholly from alcohol for very good reasons. Um, so that's, I hope that goes without saying. Um, but yeah, every, every body responds differently. And then there is this gradation. There is, okay, I feel the effects a little bit. I feel the effects a medium bit. Has anyone ever said the word medium bit? Uh, <laughs> I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel the effects a lot. Um, I do, I do get nervous with, as you're pointing out, there is, there, we can kind of play games with this where uh, we probably are what the Bible would call intoxicated. Our faculties have been impaired in a way that does not enable us to honor God and honor neighbor as we should. And we kind of create these little names and, and games to sort of define that away. So I, I do think we need to be really careful about that. But nonetheless, right. the, 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 uh, the spectrum of intoxication does... Uh, has to be acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. I frequently will tell people, and I think this is the way I've approached it is, uh, if we're asking the line, if the, if the line we're trying to draw is how intoxicated can I get? That's probably the wrong question yeah. as a Jesus follower, you know, maybe the better, yeah. 
the better question is, what's how do I honor God, love God, love neighbor? Okay, now we're talking a lot about alcohol right now, um, but you're using it as an analog to marijuana use. So how would I how would I make that analogy work? How do I transition what you're saying the Bible says about alcohol over to something like marijuana? Yeah, so I think I think the basic prohibition, let's, you know, there's addiction, of course, but we're, we're talking a little bit more about intoxication right now or drunkenness. I think the basic idea of the principle would be uh, we should avoid intoxication from marijuana. And so uh, marijuana and alcohol are two very different substances. They have very different effects on the body, but they both do uh, in- disinhibit and inhibit different parts of our brains, different parts of our personalities, um, different parts of our personhood, honestly. Um, and uh, I think the way that most people use marijuana recreationally is to get high in a way that is more or less an equivalent of getting drunk. They, they, they kind of, um, especially with the high potency way that it's, it's cultivated now and sold, it's like people, people take, take a gummy or they smoke, smoke a little bit or whatever form they're ingesting it in to get high and they get high immediately. Um, and I think that that's kind of the idea that would be parallel to slamming a, a pint of hard liquor or something, you know, uh, obviously very different effect on the body, but it's right. an immediate reach for, for an intoxicated status, I suppose mm-hmm. is my point. Mm-hmm. So in bucket one, what you're suggesting is the Bible has a lot to say about, uh, intoxication and to, to use marijuana recreationally with the sole purpose of feeling intoxicated that, the Bible's going to draw what seems like at least going to put a hedge around that and go, have you considered what the Bible says about sober, sober-mindedness? And as, and as you've pointed out, to love God and love others well, how are you able to function doing that while high? And I'm hearing yeah. a corrective there, something to think yeah. through. Okay, yeah. if that's bucket one, what about bucket two? Bucket two uh, is the idea of the, the human body as a temple, um, and maybe Garland, you could just read for us if you have your Bible. First um, Corinthians chapter six, maybe twelve through twenty. Uh, just okay. read that passage for us. I think I think that one would be worth just hearing in full. Yeah, con- context. This is a letter that Paul. He's an apostle, a, uh, a person that uh, saw the risen Jesus, and he planted churches in the early in the uh, uh, first century. And one of those churches was in a city called Corinth, which I like to compare Corinth to, like the Vegas or like the L.A. of the ancient Roman world. It was a really uh, interesting city. It was a large city. It had uh, a lot going on. And this church that Paul planted there has some problems. And so imagine planting a church in Vegas. It's going to have some issues. Um, And uh, uh, one of those problems we're going to see here is uh, on the issue of sexual morality and sexual immorality. And Paul, in responding to that problem, he's not, none of this is written in a vacuum. So he's responding to that problem, and he says, and he's, he's, He's imagining a debate back and forth, and he says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial, is his response. And he says, you say, I have the right to do anything. And he says, but I will not be mastered by anything. And then he continues, he says, "Uh, you say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. And Paul might respond, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And as he builds, he will begin to talk about what it looks like to unite with a prostitute sexually. And in his, we might say his warning against that in verse 18, he says, flee sexual immorality for all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And here's the point that you're making. He says, don't you know? So here here how he goes about this. 
uh, avoids sexual immorality, and he doesn't say, because God's a big buzzkill for your life, he doesn't want you to have any fun. He says, no, because what you do with your body matters. And then he says, why? Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. And we might just have to say temples were the place in the ancient world where humans and deities commingled. This is where you would go to interact with the divine, with the gods, or in this case, with the God of the Bible in the temple in Jerusalem. And Paul says, it's a crazy, it's a crazy uh, category expander when Paul says language like this. He says, you know that thing that happened at the temple where God came and met with his people, that is now you, your body. So now yeah. what you do matters. That's like we we kind of read it and go, okay, yeah, body's a temple, all that stuff. But that's a profound thought. So unpack what that might mean for us then about this topic. Yeah, one one of the principles that Paul's getting at, obviously he's talking about sex, um, sex with a prostitute, uh, sex outside of his good design here. Um, but the principle, the basic principle is if the body genuinely is the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit here in the church age that we live in, the site of Pentecost, we owe it, uh, so much dignity. We, we owe it, uh, to be treasured. Um, and that, frankly, that's true even before we're the temples of the Holy Spirit that we could get that. We could derive that from the Imago Dei, the image of God that we're all born with. But the point is the human body has dignity. We're going to be, we are embodied now necessarily in the new creation. We will be embodied once again. Uh, your body is, is, a, is an inextricable part of you that needs to be cherished. How much more so if God is dwelling in it with you? Um, right. So the point here, the, where this connects to marijuana, is uh, when it comes to the negative effects uh, that, that marijuana can have on the body. And so studies have been conducted, but I, I think it's fair to say, I'm no medical expert, of course, but our collective understanding of the health risks or, or potentially medicinal benefits even of marijuana is just so in its infancy. I mean, we have blasted out way ahead of the data in terms of uh, how we're using this stuff culturally. Mm -hmm. um, so even though it's in, in its infancy, though, there is still strong evidence. You can, you can find lots of literature on this, that marijuana obviously impairs cognitive function. Um, really scary. It increases the risk of developing schizophrenia and other mental health disorders in a whole lot of people. Uh, can trigger extreme anxiety um, and extreme, like, like serious mental health issues that are sort of latent. Um, this is something I'm starting to see talked about more on kind of a pop level mm -hmm. um, that it, it can it can bring to the fore, which is a, a terrifying idea. Um, it's co it's correlated to an increased risk of suicidal ideation, um, among other consequences. And so the sort of narrative like, oh, weed's safe, it's non-addictive, it's, you know, all of these kinds of catchphrases are very much outpacing the data that we have, and, and they frankly don't seem to be true mm -hmm. uh, from where I'm sitting. And so the more we learn about the negative kind of consequences of weed, the stronger this, this scriptural idea should, should weigh on us in this conversation. If weed is bad for the body, uh, then that's, that's a reason to reject its usage in these contexts mm -hmm. out of a desire mm -hmm. to glorify God in our bodies, to cherish our bodies, to protect them and honor them. Yeah, that's good. So uh, sobriety, um, and so sobriety intoxication, that's a question where you have, you have to wrestle with if you're a Jesus follower when it comes to consuming marijuana. The second is just what it means for your body to be the dwelling place of God, that your body matters. And we could, we could apply that principle maybe to a lot of things uh, in life, but that, this is one we need to think about here as well. Uh, okay, 
I hesitate to ask, what's the third bucket? What, what could we add to this? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked, because it is the weird one. <laughs> it's it's really I weird. I can't wait for this. And I would love to tee it up in the weirdest way I possibly can. Oh, please, please. Which is uh, <laughs> with, with one word and no context. Sorcery. Oh, that uh, that word that word That's has probably right. never been spoken on Out of Curiosity podcast. I it's dare a first. Say, on very few it's podcasts a first, ever. Baby. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that Sorcery, I've ever spoken okay. spoken the word before, but here we are. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, let me let me back up. Let me connect it. Um, okay, we've already said marijuana is not mentioned specifically anywhere in the Bible, um, right? But occasionally. Drug use is probably discussed and condemned when it is discussed in relation to these cultic, pagan, spiritual practices like sorcery. And uh, if you want to footnote this, you could go look at Exodus 22, 2 Chronicles 33. I don't have these memorized. Of course, I'm looking off notes here. That would be very silly. I would have guessed you would have those memorized. <laughs> Put those on Daniel 2, Galatians 520, <laughs> Revelation 21. Um, so sorcery is mentioned. Every time it's mentioned, it's mentioned as a uh, in the negative, uh, something to avoid. Um, and uh, basically, the connection here is that there are a couple biblical words that relate to this concept. One is the the Hebrew uh, keshef, and then the Greek pharmakeia, where we get the word pharmacy from. Pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the root meaning of this word keshef, which is the prior term, is is probably to cut. It's a mysterious word, but scholars think it means to cut. And you can imagine like cutting up herbs, like basically herbs for, for or something. Yeah, yeah, for spells. Um, <laughs> I know this is a weird conversation, but I can't believe we're talking here. about this. All the out track of curiosity with reboot spells. I know, I know. You invite a Portlander on. <laughs> I'm glad we got. You're gonna, I'm glad we got to get some weird stuff. Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. <laughs> So, so connected to potions, drugs used for uh, these kind of pagan spiritual practices. The idea is that the Bible uh, often refers to, this was common in the ancient world, to the use of drugs, potions, poisons even, to facilitate spiritual experiences. Um, in the Bible, of course, legitimate spiritual experiences are always and only meant to be connected to the covenant relationship with the one true God, Yahweh. Um, and thus... This kinds of sorcery, to use that term, um, pharmakeia, uh, keshef, it's always, always strongly condemned as, as particularly dangerous. And so we could also note that marijuana in particular uh, has been used. We have, we have data, we have, we have history that shows us <laughs> it's been used in pagan spiritual practices going back at least 3,500 years. Um, so here's my point. Um, this we say we say this we talk about this and it sounds so weird and foreign and we're laughing about it but i know so many people in my city who are turning to marijuana and and often more intense drugs uh, hallucinogens psychedelics things like that lsd acid um, psilocybin, which our city just they're, they're legal, making a comeback. Legal, yeah, they're making a comeback from the Timothy Leary days of the sixties. Yeah. Absolutely, and 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 often connected quite explicitly to sort of pagan spiritual pursuits. So we, we want to connect with the universe or maybe more specifically, we want to connect with the spiritual in newer, more profound ways, ways that are, are better than what any sort of religious system can offer. Um, so it's funny to see this kind of come back full circle. Uh, but my, my end point is this. Um, these psychoactive drugs, uh, the ones that are, that are, that are more extreme uh, than, say, caffeine or something like that. Right, um, right. 
we need to be very careful uh, in that these things have been have been used to 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 legitimately touch uh, spiritual forces that are not the, the the good and loving and true God of the universe um, to disastrous results throughout human history. Uh, so something yeah. to consider. Interesting. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. As you were talking uh, later on in the same letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter twelve, he actually tells them he says he's he wants to go talk about spiritual gifts. And uh, what he really wants to talk about is spirituality, spiritual things. Um, and he says, um, he goes, you used to have experiences. You can look at this in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 to 3. He says, you used to be, you were, when you were pagans, he says, somehow or another you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. And then he says, uh, but that's not how it, that's not how it is now. You, you, any real spiritual experience points to Jesus as Lord. But Paul doesn't, he acknowledges you had genuine experiences that led you, and he says somehow or another you had these genuine experiences, but they were to pagan, false idols, spiritual things that are not uh, the covenant God of the Bible, and they're dangerous. And so Paul doesn't say, oh, no, 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 that was crazy, uh, that wasn't real. He says, no, you really experienced that, but it's dangerous. And so I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing your warning there. Um, okay, so uh, bucket number one intoxication sobriety. We have to ask that question. And if you're a Jesus follower out there listening to this, yeah, it's an important question to ask and answer. How can you honor God and honor uh, others, love God, love others? Uh, the question, the, the second bucket is the body as a temple. And even if you're not a Jesus follower listening to this, or maybe you're considering following Jesus, or you used to follow Jesus, that's something you're going to have to wrestle with. Even if you aren't a Jesus follower, what do I do with this body that I have? And then the last one is, uh, and <laughs> we'll let the, the listener wrestle with it, but um, what does it mean to try to connect to the spiritual realm uh, in a way through some kind of a, uh, a substance? And uh, is, that a, is that something that should be avoided? Um, okay, yeah. well, give me some advice then, maybe some advice. Uh, I frequently hear, maybe this is the number one thing, this is how we'll close. I'll hear people say, well, this is better than get, this is, it's better than alcohol. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the number one refrain I hear is, uh, I, I, I'm going to, uh, you know, eat gummies or uh, smoke weed or whatever it is, and they usually, especially Jesus followers, will say, "Well, it's better than alcohol." Uh, how would you respond to that as we as we come to a close? Yeah, well, well, better uh, is relative. Uh, better than what? You know, you can, you could say uh, smoking crack is better than directly injecting heroin into your vein you could say right. uh smoking weed is better than smoking methamphetamine you could say doing out al- you know being addicted to alcohol is better you know so that, that doesn't really get us anywhere um okay. the question is is what are the 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 benefits and the risks of each of these from where i'm sitting i think that uh in terms of just risk to your body and your mental health um extreme uh extreme marijuana use is pretty self-evidently dangerous. Um, uh, and that's not the standard. The, the ultimate standard anyway is the things we've already been talking about. How do we best honor God uh, with our bodies and with our lives? Um, and so I think the call is uh, to, to be sober-minded so that, you know, think of, think of Paul in Ephesians, what is Ephesians 5? Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit so that mm-hmm. you can go and do, like, have this kind of relationship to God and to neighbor that he's, he's called you to. And so, 
Um, I, I think the question of wh which substances are better than others or worse than others on this or that schema is not really the fundamental question. Yeah. I think I think the things we, the categories we've been talking through are, are much better. I know one thing that's been paused for me as I've considered this is uh, um, it is possible, at least for f in, in the circles that I run in, it is possible for me to go out to dinner with somebody, them uh, have a glass of wine um, and not be intoxicated. My friends that are, uh, uh, especially, you know, the high potency, potency stuff, like uh, uh, they're eating gummies and stuff like that. Um, from, from what they've communicated to me is uh, one gummy and it's, you, the sobriety is gone. And I think that's yeah. something that you're going to have to wrestle through, I think, to say, well, it's better than, it's better than, uh, than being drunk. Well, I don't think that's a very good standard. I don't think yeah. that the standard <laughs> Jesus right. has said is, well, just get high, don't get drunk, um, because I just, I just don't think that's the, the standard Jesus would have us set. And there, is, there, there seems to be a level of uh, ability to consume alcohol uh, that is not equivalent to the high potency, uh, even single use of a, of, of marijuana. And so, uh, yeah. that's something that Christians need to think through. And, uh, we're not saying that we have every answer here. Um, we're certainly not medical experts and we're not talking about medicinal use. And so, um, that's a whole other conversation. And as the data comes in and maybe over the decades, uh, that might be a different conversation. Um, sure. but I think what, what we're largely trying to, uh, interact with here is the question of, you know, recreational use, uh, uh, for the purposes of experiencing something or getting high. And I think you've given us some caution. So any final, uh, advice you'd want to give us here, Hager? No, I mean, I, I know that this will probably become an increasingly countercultural uh, stance towards, towards marijuana and probably even far more extreme substances that are going to become fashionable, um, like party drugs and stuff, and uh, even, even for suburban parents. Um, and right. I would just say um, there, is always, there is always value in standing, uh, standing apart from the crowd and thinking critically and uh, being willing to to forego things in order to, to honor Christ, to love God, to love neighbor. Yeah. yeah. We have a different king. Let's follow yeah, him. That's right. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Thank you, Cameron. That helps a lot. And thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity. 